Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Formula One Jackass podcast, adding a little flavor to the world of Formula One. As always, you are joined by myself, Ryan, and joining me, as always, is... Christopher here, and uh, yeah, it's been an exciting race in Imola. Uh, so much to talk about. Can't really wait to, to get into it, man. Yeah, but most importantly, uh, it rained, which means yes. uh, two things, Christopher. Firstly, we were right. Yeah. And from the previous podcast, we predicted rain. No one else predicted rain. We predicted rain. And secondly, that was because we were probably doing the rain dance for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, Christopher, I see you, baby. Shaking that ass. <laughs> But it was a wet race, and we couldn't remember the last time that it was wet in Imola. Uh, turns out the last wet race was in 1995. So it wasn't the yes. 2004 that I thought of, but 1995. So way back, um, 2021, starting with the wet race, which was exciting. But at the same time, it's also, uh, I feel it, it took away uh, a potential battle at the front of the grid. Um, because they all had to start on uh, either wet tires or intermediate tires, it took us. Um, it took away the battle between you know the Red Bulls and Lewis Hamilton in front. Lewis Hamilton starting on pole, managing to pit both Red Bulls to pole, starting on the medium tire. Behind him, Perez managed to managing to outqualify his teammate, um, yep. coming second, but starting on the soft tire. And then Max Verstappen starting third on the medium tire. So already we had a bit of strategy uh, and and um, and a battle going on on the start. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, because of the wet race, we were deprived of that. And all of them started on on the intermediate tires, apart from a few who started on the, the full wet tires, which uh, didn't pan out very well. But where would you like to start, Christopher? I mean, I don't think you can really complain that you, we didn't get a good battle at the front. It doesn't matter. It was an amazing race. I mean, uh, Norris fighting through the field, lots of battles, uh, Hamilton driving off, the big crash, of course. I mean, yeah, it was so exciting. And, you know, Lewis had a chance to win it, technically. Um, things didn't just go his way. So I'd say it was close. Like, um, had it been dry, it would have been as interesting of a race. But, uh, yeah, Perez at the start, I think... Um, could have done something very interesting, I think, uh, with strategy-wise, like, like you said. We uh, talked about Sergio Perez in the last podcast, so let's let's spend uh, a little time on Sergio Perez to to review his weekend, his mm-hmm. second race for Red Bull Racing. Uh, as I said uh, just now, uh, managing to qualify in second, which was uh, uh, hugely surprising, uh, a pleasant yes. surprise. We didn't know that he would be able to come up to speed. Um, Sergio Perez himself saying that he made a mistake in the last two corners, which uh, could have potentially cost him pole. Yeah. Um, Max Verstappen also making a mistake on his lap, um, not getting pole. So uh, Hamilton uh, starting from pole. I mean, it looked to be in uh, Verstappen's hands uh, all weekend. And then Norris was challenging as well. But uh, then he got uh, his time deleted, of course. Well, but, I would uh, say that... Um, you know, going into the weekend, Red Bull were already sort of on the back foot with the limited running they had in free practice sessions, which potentially gave Lewis Hamilton the edge uh, to, to get pole because we yeah, saw that, that was... Perez um, 
not Bottas uh, was also on it. It's his track. Like he's he's done well here last year when when we were here, and he was doing well in the practice sessions as well. Um, so, so yeah, as it a, just seems as a team. Of course, you had Max Verstappen having a drive shaft issue, not mm-hmm. being able to uh, complete FP two, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and Perez missing a chunk of the first practice session um, due to uh, a coming together with Esteban Ocon once again. So. Mm-hmm. Same story, different year. Um, free practice one being being hampered by a uh, fiber optics issue, so we didn't get yeah, full pictures. The teams didn't get full data. Yeah. So that was uh, maybe uh, you know made in Italy part. <clears throat> no, I think it was actually in the in the UK. It's where their uh, center is. So yeah, there was like a power outage there. Uh, yeah. So the session started off. Uh, odd and some radio communication between the teams and drivers didn't work but uh, yeah it, it was a hectic weekend I feel like because of the practice sessions being so short now as well so much happening every session had something interesting to follow um, yeah qualifying was super interesting with uh, you know Paris qualifying P2 and the race yeah so do you think the the, the fact that both Red Bull drivers missed uh uh, a chunk of a free practice session whereas both mercedes drivers managing to pump out lap after lap collecting essentially more data than than red bull racing could yeah which could have played in their hands uh, come qualifying come q3 uh, yeah exactly i mean the it's pool. the reason it's the reason why uh mercedes was slow in bahrain they didn't have a lot of winter testing and red bull did so yeah they know the car better properly um easy to set up uh mercedes was uh, testing some new things as well the diffuser so uh, um yeah they seem to be working hard mm-hmm. so the the race starts in wet conditions that is yeah. starting second um then you know his, his teammate having a, a absolutely massive start stop and had an amazing start you could see right from the get-go just got right in there on the inside where like there was just about space and he knew it he could force himself through that gap Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, he kept the inside line, pushed Lewis wide going into Tamburello. But uh, yeah, and that sounds that says that's just saying that is so cool, no? Pushing Lewis wide into Tamburello, like oh, so good to be at the Imola <laughs> again. Like people said, last last year's race was not as interesting, and fair enough. Uh, but yeah, this race with a little bit of rain was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, Perez falling back uh, in the field during yeah. the, the opening laps. I mean, he had a clumsy weekend as well, no? He, he wasn't really there in the practice sessions. In, in qualifying was the only time he really did something amazing. And just like Sainz as well, had a clumsy race, but they both uh, finished pretty well. Um, well, Perez eventually finishing P11 out of the oh. points. Um, yeah, I would I would say this definitely wasn't a, a successful weekend for Sergio Perez, his, his second weekend at Red Bull. Mm, definitely there not. were, you know, the throughout the whole weekend, almost every driver made some form of mistake, especially in the wet, yep. uh, the wet race. Every driver having a moment from, you know, the, the biggest names, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen to pretty much almost everyone in the field had a mistake, which just shows how yeah. challenging the circuit is. Yeah. Uh, and especially in, in wet conditions, how challenging it is. But to to better standards, you know, a man with his experience um, still getting to grips with the new car. But mm-hmm. yeah, we mentioned that he needs to perform day in, day out. This was a weekend where um, we only saw, you know, of the top teams, the, the top, the, the leading drivers. Um you know, delivering results, and we saw the 
you know, their teammates, the second drivers, essentially, yeah. not scoring. Interesting enough for, uh, no, sorry, for McLaren, though, um, Norris, again, being, uh, you know, maybe the not a senior in the team as Ricardo is, even though he's been there for longer, they kind of, there was a vibe going on that they're going to push Ricardo a bit as the number one driver, but Norris is just, I know he's been just on it the whole weekend and did amazing. And both cars finished well. Ricardo letting Norris through and saying afterwards in the interview it was a wise decision. I mean, yeah, that's such perfect teamwork. Like, that's how a team should work. He that's clearly see Norris be. being quicker. Yeah. Letting through, no fuss, you know. Um, when yeah. when I saw that in the race occurring, uh, I, I questioned, like, wow, they're going to do the switch this early yeah. in the season? Yeah, but um, they had to. They had, they had to. to. Uh, but Norris I was going to, to say, I was going to say, we saw Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon last year mm -hmm. at Renault in the exact same situation. Exactly. And they didn't make the switch and potentially yeah. lost out on so so many points yeah, for the exactly. taking because they didn't switch the drivers around to see what the other driver could do in clean mm -hmm. air. And this time McLaren, of course, having uh, a lot of experienced people on the pit wall, um, making that decision and being rewarded with the podium at the end. Yeah, and everyone I, was on board. There were no hard feelings. This was... Yeah. The most logical thing to do, yeah. they executed it very well. It's good to see that. Uh, I mean, who knows later in the season if they're closer in a battle, you know, who knows what will happen, but uh, it's good to see. And I think those two will still uh, come together, even yeah, though it we, proved me wrong this weekend. No, but we, you know, in a first podcast, uh, I mentioned uh, or we predicted that these two will be the closest throughout the year. Yeah. So race two, everything went fine without hitches. I question if we go to, you know, race 19, uh, race 22, whether uh, when Daniel Ricciardo gets the message, Lando is faster than you, exactly. uh, whether he would oblige the same way as uh, as he did now later on. Probably in the not. Like uh, if they're fighting for the championship or whatever, but let's say it's fighting for McLaren's constructors points and that's why the position is important then I think you'd see uh, them being able to work it out together. I don't think uh, there's going to be an issue there. But uh, yeah, McLaren seem to be a very rational team uh, in many ways um, compared to maybe... Well, I mean, rational compared to... I mean, as opposed to, you know, we, we do know <laughs> we do know the, the, the history of team principles at McLaren. Um, mm. I wouldn't say that, you know, their, their previous owner uh, was a very rational man. He was irrationally rational. Irrational. That sounds very Formula One. But that is very Ron Dennis. Yes. Yeah. He but, could probably come up with a long explanation to what it is, but yeah. Yeah, okay. but going back to Lando Norris, he, he drove a stellar race. Last race, he also drove a stellar race, finishing fourth yeah. this time, finishing on the podium. He just seems uh, to be pushing it every lap. You can mm -hmm. see it. He's just, I don't know. There's something about him, the way he's driving now, that... We didn't always see. It was the same at Austria um, on the last lap where he really pushed it. Mm -hmm. It just seems to he seems he's to have that confidence he's, he's and carrying it He's able to sustain it now. Yeah, exactly. he's able to sustain it throughout yeah. the whole race. Yeah. So it's it's like like we always say from young talent, we want to see flashes of brilliance. Yes. When they, you know, reach Formula One, we want to see that you know sustained. Uh, yes. Throughout, that's probably the throughout. hardest thing to get is consistency, right? Yeah. Verstappen, one, we, we all knew once Verstappen could nail consistency, uh, like he has now, he would be, you know, untouchable on his days. And that's what you see with sometimes really good drivers. They don't have that. They can't sustain it. Like Ralf Schumacher is a, is a good example, right? He, uh, 
he on his day was really good, but it wasn't throughout a whole season. And if Norris can keep this up and like have this momentum going through a whole season, he could like challenge for a third place in the constructors. I oh, sorry, in the driver standings, um, easy almost this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, his team principal Andreas Saido mentioning that he this season Lando Norris made a step up. Um, it's his third season in Formula One, so he's. Um, had the time to sort of get rid of his wild feathers. Not that we've ever seen him in uh, a, a situation like that from memory. True. He's always been very consistent, taking his time to get up to speed. And now that he seems comfortable in the car, of course, he, he knows the car. Uh, it's a new power unit for him with the Mercedes engine, getting to grips with that. But yeah, from the start of the season, he's been on it. Mm-hmm. And one word that keeps coming up with young drivers is you know the word mature or maturity yeah max verstappen reaching that christian horner the team principal of red bull racing um talking about the maturity of max for a couple of seasons already we could apply it to to lando norris this season um yeah however in a a way i would Uh, then like to throw that word out to another young talent who seems to um always come around to Imola uh, for the right and wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. So when uh, the young talent that is George Russell Mm -hmm. is uh, the the word maturity is applied. um, How do you, how would you surmise his weekend? Uh... So to provide the listeners a (laughs) a bit of context here. No, no, no. Okay. uh, I want to surmise his weekend. If I can just say like uh, he came in knowing he had a good chance to, to get points for Williams. I think this is one of the tracks they thought that they could actually maybe challenge a little bit. Uh, both him and Latifi looked really good in qualifying, right? Um, yeah, managing to like make solidly Q2. not last and potentially in the points. And he was running in the points and he was pushing it. Like he took some big gambles. And I think he also went in it with, with some pressure on himself that he wanted to do well and start to prove himself. Like he's, you know, he got a taste of what it was to be, you know, in a top team um so yeah he went for an overtake that i think uh, anyone would have done in that situation uh to be fair that's the just o- the first I mean, starting point with this uh, for me i want to say the overtake that is racing that's what we want to yeah. see yeah. you know that's 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 why we tune in you yeah. know he didn't manage to pull off the, the move successfully no. which can happen as well but yeah. the main questions on everybody's mind is the exact reaction his reaction yeah. uh, immediately after the crash and also um, speaking to journalists and the media for hours after uh, about what he was saying yeah. and, and essentially complaining about. Yeah, and then but then he, he went out now and made a good apology, to be honest. And I think if, he, if Bottas had done something wrong here, like definitely wrong, if that was the case, then I can understand why he's that angry. And that's what he thought, even though... That wasn't the case that Bottas necessarily was in the wrong here. So if like, because it was a dangerous maneuver, if it had been done on purpose, like, you know, purposely shoving Russell out on the grass at those speeds in, you know, a drying track. um, Yeah, to me, like I'm of the opinion and maybe, you know, you or listeners might agree. But through my eyes in this situation, Bottas was blameless. I wouldn't say blameless because... The thing about that uh, Imola after the start finish straight, it goes a little bit to the left there, right? Uh, so the pit lane exit is on the right. And because there was a drying line, of course, 
if if, if it would have been a dry track and Russell had done that, you would have expected Bottas to stay a little bit more to the left, to be honest, because he knows it's going to be a kink. The car's going to move out there. But so would Russell have known. Um, and he just sees Bottas approaching him, so he has to take avoiding action, even though Bottas left space. So, yes, Bottas is Plenty not really at space. fault here. Yeah, Bottas is not really at fault here. But... He, I mean, he was... It like was for me, his... It was, was, he could have avoided was, it. He was, he was ahead. And yeah. he was completely entitled to take any line into the corner. Yeah. You know, it was not a breaking zone. And yes, he did venture a bit to the right, but that's sort of the natural line to take mm-hmm. in order to set yourself up for the apex of the left-hander uh, going in. Yeah. Um, there was one dry line. It was still yeah. wet on, yeah. on the left part of the race. So it wasn't like, you know, they were wheel-to-wheel. Uh, Russell was alongside. No. Um, and that's even true. so, there was plenty of space even i wouldn't for say these plenty of space there was there was a little bit more than a track. car's width there was a little bit more than a car's width um, which is which is plenty of space it is but when you're which, when you're going through a kink like that and you see you know the mercedes kind of move towards you if you see russell's on board like he sees the mercedes slowly yeah come but then toward it's, him it's also and not quite also, and then he does um, a, uh, of, evasive action and also, that's what causes the crash and i, I could see why he would do that a sign it's also a sign for me that um, you know, Russell, of course, being very eager to make the, the move yeah. stick, uh, to do the moves. It's it's one of his only opportunities of the season to, to score some points. Yeah. However, the execution of it was extremely poor, perhaps a bit over eager. Yeah. So I mean, I would have gone on the inside. This. If I was him, I would have tried to stay right behind and then jolt to the, in, to the inside once the kink is there. Because then Bottas will, like he did, move slowly out to the right. And then he has the inside line going into Tamburello. Yeah, so, it, it's a, on a wet track, but still. So, I think he, however, the, the 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 severity of blame is on Bottas' part. It completely yeah. did not justify the reaction right no, no, after no, no, no. the the matter, and also no, in the media sure after not. that. I mean, Russell is a very mature driver, and I think we saw in Drive to Survive. Uh, I know it's overly dramatized, of course, but there was a scene where he's working with his um, engineers. I think was it last season. And I was like, okay, he's a bit bossy and scary. I mean, he's intelligent. So, you know, he comes across as he a little bit desperate now. I feel a bit, a bit under pressure when well, he, in fact, he really shouldn't. Well, be he's, he's, it's, it's his third season at Williams and he's always yes. been the boss of his teammate. Yes. You know, uh, having his teammate in his pocket. So he's in his last contract se- uh, year uh, in Williams. He is eyeing the Mercedes seat. He mm-hmm. is a Mercedes driver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most important, or rather not most important, but what is telling as well is that Toto Wolf, the, the, the team principal of Mercedes, having to come out with a statement, having to address this yeah, specific situation. Yeah, he's closer situation. to driving Renault Clio Cup than he is driving in an F1 car. And I think Toto in this case is also being a little bit like, he, he, he has a bit of a commandeering figure. Like he's, you know, here mm-hmm. comes Toto, you know, the big boss man himself, even though he's like a very friendly, easy to talk to guy. Uh, but I think his words, they hurt when he says something. Like they matter, you know, there's a yeah. lot of gravitas yeah. in his words. Because so Toto, that, Toto's not the I'm, type of guy that would make off-the-cuff remarks. No, everything no. he say is planned. Yes. And there's, there's, there's weight and meaning behind yes. it. Yes, and he doesn't hide away from that. He's not going to hide away from that. But uh, yeah, he protected Bottas, which I think is also very, you know, fair play. Of course, he has to do that. He's the, he's, you know, Bottas' boss. 
But then he went out and a bit not attacked Russell, but he was a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Well, keeping um, keeping the young guys on their toes, you know, keeping fair enough. Well, yeah. fair enough. But we were talking about this, and uh, you said that he shouldn't have risked it on a Mercedes car, and that's as well makes sense uh, yeah, because yeah. he's a Mercedes young driver. But I think that's that shouldn't be the case when he's driving for Williams. He should prove to Mercedes why he should be in that car that he's quicker, and he wouldn't be like Bottas down in uh, those positions. Um, and yeah, I but, think it's weird but, that he can't race hard against a Mercedes. This is the only chance that Williams will probably have this year fighting with a Mercedes, right? Um, but we'll see, you know, if there's going to be consequences because of this action. Yeah. So one immediate and direct consequence of this action is that Bottas's car is, is wrecked. It's totaled. Yeah. And they're going to have to spend significant resources on rebuilding the car. Yeah. And of course, 2021 is the first season where we've had a, a cost cap. Yeah. A, a budget yeah they have to save money Oscar. exactly um, yeah. so they have each team has 145 million dollars to spend mm-hmm. which you know to the ordinary folk is a huge f- ton of money yeah. but in formula one terms it's not so much so it's they really have to it. yes we know you know growing up uh we had some teams pushing the 350 400 million 400 420 million um per season and this is per season per year uh so in order for formula one to remain you know attractive to invest into for smaller teams to remain competitive they've brought in a a ceiling you know a budget cap uh, i'm so interesting to see how this will pan out because they were wanted to introduce that you know back in 2010 Mm -hmm. and it just fell apart and that's why new teams joined and they couldn't compete and I think it wasn't implemented well enough. And this time, it seems more of the teams are more committed to do it. And well, because COVID happened, you know? Yeah. Formula One, the teams, they just saw their, their revenue drop because we weren't having um, all the races all around the world. We weren't yeah. having fans at the racetrack. So, yeah. of course, if the revenue stream drops, you know, the, 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 the governing body proposing the, the budget cap has more chances of, of, of succeeding in getting yeah. all the teams on board. So the teams who were previously against a, a hard budget cap could, couldn't do anything but agree because of you know, COVID. I mean, think about it this way. If you were given $145 million and was told to make a Formula One car, uh, it doesn't have to fit regulations, but it have to be as, a car that is as quick as a Formula One car is today. You would be able to do it, I'd say. Um, it's just yeah, because be, these regulations be, sometimes yeah. have also made the cost so crazy, right? Like a lot of it mm-hmm. isn't the engine parts, but you see how much um, they have to invest in aero and stuff. So with ground effects, you can get a lot of downforce for cheap, basically. So you could make cars that can go uh, quick around the track uh, for less money. So why are they not trying to do that? Um, and I think yeah, if but this is a, this well, is this is a great train of thought. It will we're explode to, again later on, of course. We're cost, going but. to discuss the, the budget cap at length in a future episode. Uh, let's get back on track to um, yes. you know the budget cap and Mercedes. So how this incident between Russell and Bottas could be significant for Mercedes? Well, they're going to have to dedicate some resources, uh, some some budget of their of, of their total budget to rebuilding Bottas's car, which could potentially delay or cancel some updates they were planning on bringing to the car in order to, you know, catch up to the mm-hmm. Red Bull racing car's performances and to exceed them. So with them having less budgets to dedicate on, on development, on upgrades, 
because they have to rebuild the car. That could be hugely significant at the end of the season, perhaps, if Red Bull managed to pip them to both uh, the drivers and constructors uh, championship. And if it's just this one incident that caused it, there were two Mercedes drivers involved. Yeah, it was an unlucky incident. I think uh, we should give Russell a chance. Like sometimes F1 is cruel and we don't give certain drivers a chance, a second chance, and others we do. But in this case, you know, uh, Russell, I think, has learned from this. He came out already apologizing. And I just want to say to that as well, that Lewis went out and said, uh, you know, fair play to, you know, um, admitting your fault and moving on. Um, just like he kind of yeah. like motivated Lando as well. He's becoming really yeah. a mentor. And he, I think he is yeah. a gentleman. I mean, he's a knight. It's Sir yeah. Lewis Hamilton, but he's also yes. taking his responsibilities as the mm-hmm. world champion to to pick up the the young guys when they're down. Yeah. So Lando Norris on social media on the Saturday being down, having his lap time in uh, the last qualifying session deleted because of track limits, which would have been... Uh, Good for third place on the grid. It was a, mm-hmm. it was an amazing stellar lap. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he just went a bit wide, made a tiny mistake. His lap was deleted, so he had to start behind his teammates as opposed to in front of it. Um, speaking of, you know, Sir Lewis Hamilton and this incident, he was the beneficiary of this incident as well. Uh, just before this incident happened, he hit a wet patch, he went into the gravel, he lost a lot of time having to reverse. At the time, he was in second position, um, dropped down all the way to, to ninth. But the incident between Bottas and Russell happening shortly after, that brought out the safety car. So it saved him a lot of positions and a lot of time. Um, somehow, a little voice inside my head said, Singapore 2008, Singapore 2008. Um for the listeners that don't know, that was Crashgate, um, Renault, Fernando Alonso, yeah. and Nelson Piquet Jr. Spinning out on purpose, getting into out a safety the wall, car just after Alonso had pitted, and you know, which but. benefited Alonso. But this was not on purpose. This was a racing sure incident. Not. But Lewis Hamilton can consider himself very lucky that the incident occurred when it did, or else he would have had even more damage limitations. Yeah. Due. So but he got to start restart in ninth position. Yeah. Um, we don't know how much time he would have lost without the safety car coming in. Yeah. And another thing about Lewis this weekend was that he made mistakes, but he was also on it. Like you could see him fighting his way through, and that was really fun to see. Seeing Lewis fighting his way through the field is, uh, yeah. Like you can really see how confident he is in his overtakes. Like how he lines it up for a couple of laps, uh, sees where the other guys will defend, and then just goes for it. And yeah. It was good to see. It was a stellar drive. It was damage limitation for him. And yes. miraculously, he managed to leave the weekend in the championship lead, uh, yep. leading Max Verstappen by one single point, which he attained by getting the fastest lap in the race, which uh, gives you one uh, one point if mm-hmm. you're in the top 10. So, you know, championship battle-wise, we, per- we hoped for a competitive season. Uh, we're two races in, and we're still getting that. So, mm-hmm. again... We keep all of our fingers and toes crossed that it will remain like this to the last yeah. race of the season. Yeah. And also another thing about this race I just wanted to mention quickly is Gasly was really quick the whole weekend. Everyone was talking about Tsunoda. Um, but yeah, he had an off weekend. Uh, didn't really do well. Um, had a crash in FP3. Ruined the back of his car. Um, yeah, there was not much there to see. Um, 
Yeah. So another sort of um, crystal ball moment that we had mm-hmm. in our previous podcast. Uh, we were talking about Rain and Imra, and we were talking about Ferrari. To to yes. keep an eye on Ferrari, and I would say this was a very good weekend for Ferrari. They were a uh, solid points. Signs clumsy, but still managed to fi- finish behind Leclerc. Also lucky Absolutely. with the safety car, yeah, of course. So but, uh, both yeah. Leclerc uh, having a moment in the in the wet, mm-hmm. Signs having multiple moments in the wet, but uh, Leclerc finishing fourth. You know, it was the the maximum result for them. They're just not really able to compete with yeah. McLaren at the moment, yeah. and Signs following his team at home in, in fifth. So fourth and fifth for Ferrari, very solid results yeah. considering could- where they came from. Ah, and could Fettel have been in the position of Sainz? Had Fettel still been in the Ferrari, would he have been there where Sainz was? No, I don't think so. I don't think Fettel would have... Uh, he In Turkey, they were close. But um, yeah, I think this was a case where Sainz really could fight his way up. Um, well, I think, keep up I think Sainz also um, had gotten wind of, of the little flack he was taking for admitting being a bit conservative in, in the opening weekend, which yeah. we've discussed. We said, you know, that's... That's smart to do, but this time not having a conservative approach to the weekend. No, of course, I, I still, still think not, he did. To be honest, I still think he did. I saw he his. Well, we know he's he's very good in the wet. So on the opening mm-hmm. lap, uh, he was starting eleventh. Yeah. Didn't manage to make Q three. Um, I think he managed to overtake about four cars in the opening yeah. lap, coming up Amazing to, to eighth. And um, he's off track as well at one point. Yeah, having a few incidents, which which dropped him back, but significantly. Uh, managed to finish ahead of Ricardo, yeah. who you know didn't have those moments. Ricardo mm-hmm. this weekend was just not on the pace, yeah. but it's it's significant for both uh, Ferraris to split the uh, split the McLarens. Mm-hmm. Um, Norris being ahead of them, so mm-hmm. they they couldn't really touch them. Uh, Norris remaining ahead, even though he had the soft tires on on the last stint. Yeah. Uh, so as and in he pace, made the last fair play. I didn't think he would be able to. I thought they made a blunder there, but it worked out. Yeah. Um, so as in pace, Ferrari not able to to catch up to the McLaren, but still. No, but they were up there until Norris overtook them. Like Norris was the one behind them all. Like Sainz got past them at the beginning mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, and he got up, fought his way up there to second, uh, where he was for a while after Lewis spun out, of course. And uh, I think there would have been a chance that Norris could have been P2 as well. Um, not more than that, unless Verstappen had crashed out. But uh, yeah, let's say let's say that Verstappen had crashed out of the race and Lando Norris was in the P2 position and Lewis was coming down on him. That would have been really interesting. And just on the talk of Lewis and Lando as well, um, it's the first time Lewis is on the podium with uh, a McLaren driver since he left. He had like, left McLaren that is crazy to think about. Yeah. Back then, you know, he had one championship and now he has, yeah, seven. And yeah, it's the first time he's uh, with another McLaren driver on the podium. Crazy. It is, it is an interesting stat. And uh, yeah. I think you've heard it here first. Um, yep. So that was uh, for our solid weekend you know i think for them for their car potential it was the maximum results that Mm -hmm. they could do um the the number two drivers of the top teams not scoring points as i mentioned uh and yeah solid maximum results for what they could do so i predicted they wouldn't be at the front but quite near it so they they won um you know they're their main competitors of uh at the moment alpha tauri 
uh, Alpine, uh, Aston Martin, both cars comfortably finishing ahead of, of their nearest competitors. Yeah. Just a funny thing as well. Uh, it was so strange to see in the bottom half of the cars, you see names like Alonso, Vettel, Raikkonen, and Schumacher. And it's just like, what? It was so At weird Imola. to see that. At Imola. Yeah, you know, it was surreal. So it is. Like Alonso in an Alpine, Vettel in an Aston Martin, Kimi in an Alfa Romeo, Mick in a Haas. Like, this sounds all like gibberish uh, talk from the future, but that's now. It, it was, yeah, uh, if, if, it was if, surreal. If you travel 20 years back in time and told me this exact thing of, of the, the, the teams involved and the team mm-hmm. names, I would have thought you were absolutely insane. Right. Which you are, yeah. but. Uh, you're that's right. so cool about Formula One. It evolves all the time. Like that's what I love. It's like you never know where it goes. One driver change just can set off like a complete, you know, uh, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it can just change everything. And uh, yeah, that's how it. Uh... So speaking of evolution evolving, um, what about the lack of evolution? So I sort of wanted to end this podcast on my salty note. Mm-hmm. So we have to talk about Aston Martin. Yeah. So Lance Stroll uh, in the media sessions before qualifying, before practice, you know, reaffirming his team stance that the current regulations for 2021, which as you, everyone at home remembers, because we've spoken about it quite a few times, you know, they, they took away a piece of the floor, which leads to less downforce being produced. Mm-hmm. So Aston Martin coming out and saying these rule changes uh, significantly hurt, you know, our car. Our car definitely has lost performance because of these rules. And saying anywhere from seven tenths to two seconds lost because of this regulation change. Coming into the weekend, team principal Atmar Safnauer um, just took it a whole level further, mm-hmm. saying that. Um, they want to have discussions with the FIA uh, to see if they can thing, make things a bit more equitable this season because that would be the right thing to do. So my first initial reactions to when I heard them say that was, what a lot of horse This is Formula yeah. One. This is like this you corporate know? kind of lawsuits coming from, yeah. So I would give a bit of context to the viewers. Aston Martin this season was racing point last season, the the pink cars, where they were nicknamed the pink Mercedes because they essentially copied the the 2019 Mercedes, which was the championship winning car. So for 2020, their car was fast, you know. Um, They won a race. They picked up a few podiums. They had a pole position. You know, their car was Mm -hmm. working well. So with this regulation change, suddenly they've lost so much performance and they're complaining about that. But the main problem is for Aston Martin that this season they decided to copy the wrong car. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this before as well. They copied the wrong car. Boohoo. That's a shame. Get Uh, over it. Copy a better car next time. But I think it's not just that i think they're moving into a new facility they're restructuring as well so there's a lot going on there where there's reason to believe that they might not be as good this year as they might be in the future it is a long-term thing um but i think they also had too high of expectations they expected to just be able to carry this forward 
and not expect other teams to catch up on them. Um, and it just goes to show as well how good an organization Mercedes have because they've been able to improve on that concept. And now you see maybe why uh, Aston Martin uh, might not have a good year this year because they can't keep up the development of it. Yeah, Mercedes being the prime example because they too have been on the receiving end of, of these rule changes, these regulation changes for this season. Exactly. You know, I think, you know, this change was also intended uh, to sort of um, knock them back back a peg because of their utter dominance of the previous season. And that's also Formula One, you know. We have seen these regulation changes specifically affecting one team, which is the dominant one, to try to you know, even out the field a bit. So yeah. this happened to Red Bull Racing when they were dominating. They didn't do, they would do it to the extent that Ferrari had problems with it. But, mm-hmm. you know, with rule changes, eventually the Ferrari dominance came to an end. The Red Bull dominance came to an end. So this is a naturally occurring thing within Formula One. Of course. And you we see the, the, guys the wor- that are doing well. Yes, you know? and we see the, the World Constructure Champions not saying anything. In fact... They themselves, within the recent seasons, have had the the dual axis steering system mm-hmm. banned, which they were the only uh, team to have. And they said, "Fair they enough." They said, "Fair enough." Yeah. Fine, got on with it. Now, not a peep as well. It's mm-hmm. Aston Martin who's complaining the most, and I find that just a bit silly. You know, yeah, it, it's Bull unnecessary. Have, Red Bull does the same. This, there's just always teams that do this, like. Jordan as well you know back in the day and it's part of the game you know that's how the rules are enforced and how they keep up with things to complain and whine and in that sense it's nothing new it's just the way how Lawrence Stroll tries to I don't know don't do it in such a weird corporate way uh, from his business world or whatever and I don't think Otmar has any real say in this and I think they should just work on getting their car uh, up to speed and then uh, do the talking on the track. Yeah, the question for them as well is how much development time are they going to to dedicate to this season's car? Because I would, I would, uh, I would drop it now. If I were them, I would drop it now. To be fair, but and they're all over TV. You know, they have TV advertisements. They're they're promoting the brand. They have James Bond and Tom Brady and so many people hyping up the brand. Yeah. But with such hype, also results need to be delivered. Yeah, but what if they and make a good they car were, next year? Yeah, but they were they were expecting to be in the fight for third position in the constructorship uh, well, constructors championship wrong, this season. Because I don't think anyone was really expecting who would be in third this year. I think everyone would expect Mercedes and Red Bull be one two. But uh, after seeing last year, um, you know how the fight in the constructors was third downwards. It's you know. I mean, it's anything. the whole. It's the whole image that they're trying to project of course uh assigning a four-time world champion you know having that marketability in that yeah. sense and that yeah. and, and that's not, not a good purchase you I'm know sorry. two weekends uh two dnfs from yeah. from sebastian vettel this time and nothing spectacular nothing noteworthy nothing where you saw him at all um performing yeah. worse than alonso who has just come back from a two-year break and Alonso, you kind of see uh, how he pushed the car. Fettel did have a good overtake on Alonso, actually. But, you know, this the magic is gone. I'm a bit sad. Like, uh, it's not really there. It's not Fettel anymore, in a way. It feels strange. Yeah. So we said it was a, a defining season for Vettel. Um, yeah. Two races in. Um, yeah. We have yet to see the spark. Let's start. hope the regulation change can be in his favor. Like, who knows? 
the question is, you know, I think he has a one-year deal. Um, mm-hmm. What needs to be delivered in order for an extension to be triggered? Uh, at this moment of time... Wait, he uh, only has a one-year deal? Yes. So that's what... Wow, I didn't know that. I thought so I for it, sure it thought it was like a multi-year it agreement. It wasn't a definite multi-year deal. So I think it's it's, okay. a, it's a one plus one. So the, the plus one is an option. So it's a half um, sponsor. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> uh, no, eins, eins und eins. Eins und eins, yeah. Eins und eins, not eins plus eins. Uh, nah, okay, sorry. Yeah. But if it was a multi-year contract, they would have said that in a press release and that wasn't mentioned. And even hmm. uh, even in Drive to Survive, uh, the the weekend he um, made public his, his move to Aston Martin at the press table, remember? He's talking like, oh, multi-year deal. And he was kind of coy and quiet. He didn't answer the question directly. So that also sort of reinforces my 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 thinking that he only has a one-year deal. Yeah. Oh, that's risky for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really have anywhere to go. He's just, yeah, not in a good spot. Not not lucky either. So uh. So we, we, we hope the best uh, mm-hmm. for, for every driver. Yes. Um, unless you have bleach blonde hair. Um. No, that was that was a joke. Uh, massive spin. Unless you're Draco Malfoy. You're talking about Nikita Massafin and his father. Yeah, insert picture here where they are both wearing the same clothes and they look like uh, yeah Draco Malfoy they, from uh, Harry Potter, right? Uh, yeah. And his dad. It's so funny, like so evil looking. They can't um, help it. They can't help it. Cool. So um, yeah, let's uh, wrap up this 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 review mm-hmm. session. Uh, of the podcast uh, final thoughts weekend anything come to mind uh, Portimao next weekend I'm sorry I'm just really excited I will have an episode before that we can talk about more uh, yeah okay what a what a crazy good race this uh, this race was uh, I've read some comments from people saying this was their first race to watch and yeah I'm so happy because they had an amazing experience and it, it, the championship is looking you know it's looking open still who knows what can happen? Who can snowball? But so far, it's a bit unpredictable. Um, who's going to come out on top? Yeah. So, as always, lots to uh, look forward to. Um, we didn't feature a question this week because we didn't receive one, uh, unfortunately. So that's sort of a you know a call to action from all our listeners uh, to to get in touch. Uh, most of you. Uh, actually, uh, a few of you have, have followed our social media channels. So please don't forget to do that. Our Instagram, which is. I don't know what our Instagram is. Sorry. You've, you've listened to this podcast and it's the cutting of it so many and times. One jackass. Exactly. Yeah, okay, so you enough. should know by now. Show. Fair enough. It, it, it's your own show, goddammit. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So our Instagram is at formulesandonejackass.com <laughs> And you work in tech. You're, you're a f***ing embarrassment. <laughs> Anyways, our Instagram is at formulesandonejackass and our Twitter at formulesandone. So, Jackass. <laughs> so please give us a follow there. Um, please uh, ignore my co-host. I'm not sure if he's going to return Next episode, maybe I need to give him a timeout. Uh, I don't know, I'm, but I'm just really far away. That's why you'll you'll find out uh, next episode uh, when that comes out. Before next race, we're going to Portugal. Well, I mean Formula One's going to Portugal. We're still on lockdown, so 
as always, thank you so much for joining us. And keep washing keep those washing hands. Keep washing those hands.